Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Bull City Coordinators Duke Football Coverage Podcast. Follow us at our website, bullcitycoordinators.com. Follow us on Twitter at DukeFBCoverage, where our DMs are open. Send us an email, bullcitycoordinators at gmail.com. And speaking of which, I received an email from George. I want to read that to you, not the whole thing, but part of it. George writes to say, I just listened to your show with Joe Giglio. It was wonderful. I've been listening to you for some time. I have to admit that now I listen with more relish in the Elko era. I really learned a lot and appreciated the history of the term student athlete. I always knew it was a bunch of bull, but did not realize how egregious it was and how long it's been going on. You provide a sinking man's podcast. Thank you for providing Duke football content. I've been a fan since age eight when I saw the Blue Devils rally to beat number four Navy. I had season tickets for over 20 years once I moved back east. I've considered calling. uh, Well, he talks about he may call in later. George, thank you so much for the email. I really appreciate it. And also, thank you for clarifying exactly when this Navy game was. It was in 1960. Navy came to Durham, ranked number four in the country, and were led by Heisman Trophy winner Joe Bellino. I was eight years old. Navy jumped out to a 10-0 lead, only to see Duke rally to a 19-10 win. They went to the Orange Bowl that year. We defeated Arkansas 7-6 to in the Cotton Bowl. My child self, he goes on to say, was outraged that we were on the Arkansas one-yard line and let the clock run out. I thought 7-6 to sounded like a fluke, while 14-6 to sounded like a solid victory. Long experience since has taught me just to be glad to win. He sent me a five-minute clip of the game. Thank you, George, so much for emailing, and thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And for those of you who are out there, hey, give us a call, 540-632-0150, and you can get on the podcast, all right? We've done plenty of voicemails, and we want to keep doing them, although we don't want a factory of sadness. uh, Excuse me. Uh, it's 540-632-0160, had a typo there. We don't want uh, a factory of sadness after the FSU game, which we will get into momentarily. I do want to send some apologies out to my friends over at From the Pink Seats, which who do a Louisville podcast. Uh, scheduling mistakes were made by whom is not really important. I was supposed to get them on the <laughs> podcast, but I apparently – uh, drop the ball there, but don't fret. We have another guest lined up for the week and turning to that, we're going to check in with our rich Landia correspondent. He is responsible for keeping all of our unrealistic hopes and dreams for Duke football, both alive and well <laughs> decades of pain, disappointment, suffering, misery, and just, more pain have not caused him to waver from his customary 10 and two preseason prediction, which returned with glory this year season four of the podcast, our recurring appearance from none other than the, well, the original, we'll call him the OG Richlandia dad. (laughs) Would you tell us how are you doing? Hi, Ben. Good to see you. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? Hey, I'm, I'm angry. Not going to wallow in, in the game that we just finished. Uh, I'm more angry and upset uh, because I felt like, uh, you know, it was fruit hanging low right there for us. Uh, but still, I'm still on, on the way to 10 and 2 as long as we get things righted uh, this Saturday in Louisville. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the FSU game. Okay. Oh. And we'll. We'll get into that a little bit. I mean, by now, in fairness, we should be used to losing to to FSU. Uh, I mean, it's it's happened a lot. And actually, if I can find it, I'll come back to it. But uh, during during the game, I got a I got a tweet from a friend of mine that I'm going to pull up and and read that was actually on point about our historical stru- struggles with FSU. But here is here are kind of my thoughts about what happened in that game. Riley didn't look healthy from the jump. Our wide receiver core, I like all of them. They play really hard, but I think we could use maybe one guy in the transfer portal, a difference maker. I, I don't think we've quite 
gotten over the loss of Eli Pankle, although Hagen's in particular, I thought, started to step up against FSU. The, the only real criticism that I have, I thought we did everything well, and, and you and I can talk about it. There's been a lot of discussion about it online, is – and I don't want to be really critical of Elko here because he's doing a great job. His staff's doing a great job. But I think there maybe is a trend generally in college football that field goals uh, – field goals, excuse me, don't matter. And I think the problem with that is we're overlooking the most important analytical stat, which is the number of points you put on the scoreboard. And I think there would have been an advantage to making it a six-point game, especially given the play calling leading up to that. Look, field goal, field goal, field goal. We all know what I'm talking about, the fourth down call after Leonard goes out. It, It just seemed like you set your team up to get points, take the points, don't give the opponent a chance to stuff you on fourth down. And I know it almost worked. It was a, it was it almost worked, but don't give momentum to the other team because that's where I think maybe the analysis, the analytical side of it falls apart is you stop looking at what happens when a team gets momentum. And it, it's not like we hadn't seen a long drive before to cost us a game. We saw it a couple weeks ago against Notre Dame, especially when you've got, uh, Beelan coming in cold in a tough environment with not a lot of experience. All he needs to get you at that point is one other field goal. Even if you give up a touchdown, you can still win. That's why I think you go for the field goal there, but I want to get the view from Rich Landia on that. Well, I, th- I think you can guess how I feel. This is not like the catchphrase from the uh, uh, Bill Murray camp counselor movie a long time ago. You know, it just doesn't matter. It does matter. I think the kids – lost a little bit of air out of the tires uh, when they saw Riley go out. And to get three points, at least there, I think would have made a huge difference. Uh, so when Florida State, assuming nothing else changed and Florida State did score uh, and take the lead, it would have only been a one-point game. And you got to feel like even with Riley out, you know, the kids would have still, you know, felt like, hey, this game is right there uh, for us. Um I thought one of the earlier things that was really unfortunate was when the um, they mishandled the ball in their own backfield, Florida State, and we weren't able to come up with that football. Uh, you know, we could have really put him in a much bigger hole early. And I was very disappointed in Ham, you know, not kicking that ball into the end zone when they returned the kick all the way. But I absolutely agree with you on the field goal. Uh, the kid's a good kicker. Uh, you know, he, he did miss a, a couple uh, against Notre Dame, but uh, they were close and, you know, nobody's perfect. Um, it sure would have been. And then when they score again, if nothing else had changed, you know, we're still one score and a two-point conversion away. It's a one-score game at 31 to, you know, uh, uh, 23 at that point. And, uh, and then I don't know why in the world he decides to go for it, you know, toward the end of the game, you know, deep in our own territory. Um, I think that was probably just at that point. It, it's just desperation time, and you just got to well, see yeah, make something happen. It's it's just really frustrating. I think the kids deserved for it to end a, a little bit closer. And um, well, like I said, you know, you're in a. I think the whole analytics thing <clears throat> it gets a little. Like you said, there's a lot of context that needs to be considered. I think when making those decisions, and it made me start thinking about well. How many reps did he actually give Balin this week? Uh, when did he know exactly he was going to play Riley? Uh, one of his best decisions was when they were showing the sideline and he absolutely was refusing to let Riley go back in, which was the right thing, I believe. Uh, but and it made me also wonder, you know, it's been a long time since we've had a something resembling the Connett package, and I was wondering with our, uh, you know, his good friend at Whiteout that also battled him for the quarterback spot, I, I wonder if we have some kind of wildcat package with him in an emergency situation and, uh, or maybe even Loftus who's more of a threat to run, you know, I just wonder how many reps everybody's getting and, and what exactly the situation was going in because it looked like the decision had been made. You know, I know he said day to day game time decision, all that kind of stuff. But if that's the case, it just kind of makes you wonder how many reps each person got during the week uh, leading up to the game. And, uh, you know, we, you know, we had a chance against the fourth ranked you know, team in the country in their place. And, um, you know, it's a, a homecoming, a big crowd, a lot of noise. Um, but 
you know, it was, I think that's what made me angry is, is in spite of some of the real talent they've got at skill positions. Um, and, and their quarterback wasn't hundred percent either, but he was a lot closer to it than Riley was. And when he he's started, a, he's a six year senior too, I think, or a fifth. Yeah. Year and senior. he, he started mean, getting loose late. Boy, he's, he's tough to, he's tough to handle, you know, those, those quarterbacks. And to go back to the Notre Dame point, and you and I talked about this on Sunday, Hartman's a six-year senior. I mean, these guys have seen this before. They're not going to be rattled by having to make a long drive, right? Yeah, the NC State and Florida State were two very different situations to compare how Balin was able to handle, you know, home game, away game, uh, different talent level, uh, just a whole different situation. You know, suddenly being right. thrown in where he was, as opposed to knowing he was going to be the starter, you know, for a couple of weeks leading up to state game, so – Right, and and I think, and, and I want to I want to mention a tweet that I got from a buddy of mine, Robert. Uh, after Duke took the early lead, he he tweeted at me um, someone else's tweet that reads, "Duke just took its first lead against Florida State since 2001, a streak <laughs> of 11 games. Duke has a zero and 19 record all time against Florida State. I looked at the box score of that game. It started off great. Duke went one play." Or seven. This says seventy-nine yards, but it was a seventy-eight-yard passing touchdown. So seventy-plus yards, almost eighty. Went up six to nothing, and then gave up forty-five unanswered until a punt got returned, sixty-eight yards for a touchdown. Uh, and boy, the 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 wheels really came off ugly and and fastly, and all the adverbs possible. But I, I want to follow up on a couple of things that you had raised about that about that game you mentioned not getting the fumble early when I first saw it I didn't understand I think it was Smith I was like how did he not land on that god that poor kid terrible luck yeah I I think Travis's hand comes down and hits it just enough to bounce it away from him and take it away from his momentum and I remember what Lee Rodeo told me years ago he's like you know man you know, that ball just don't bounce the way you want it to because the way it's designed, it was a little more art, artful than that, obviously. But the way that ball is designed, it just does not bounce right. And the smallest touch can knock it away. But what really got me and what I thought you were going to bring up was the when we were going to go for it on the fake punt. And they stopped oh, the snap gosh. because the officials, and I know everybody's shocked that ACC officials screwed up. I mean, that's, <laughs> that never, never, never happens, but that was where I thought you were going to go with that was to, to remind us how we lost a fourth down conversion attempt because, uh, well, the officials thought we subbed. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were maybe half the team was off the field for them and all we had to do was snap it. And, you know, if we don't score, we at least get a first down and probably a whole lot more on the play. Uh, kind of made me think of the, you know, if something like that had happened on the shoestring play against North Carolina all those years ago, uh, you know, <laughs> we wouldn't have scored. Uh, but, right. uh, yeah, they blew it. And, um, you know, it, it certainly could have made a difference. Well, and, and I, don't, I don't know if the rules have changed about this, but this always bothers me is, uh, well, except – Lincoln Riley doesn't make his players available after they, they lose. Uh, okay, whatever. But the head coaches are available when, when lose or draw. The players, with the exception of future Big Ten coaching departure, Lincoln Riley, are available uh, after they lose. And those are, are youngsters. I mean, those are young people, 18 to 20-something years old. Mm-hmm. I think that the head official should always have to do a press conference after the game. Uh, and maybe the rules that, change that on might that, be more. but, I, you know, why shouldn't they have to, I mean, they're adults, they're grown men. Why shouldn't they have yeah. to answer a question about how it they might be more up? interesting than, than bothering the poor coaches in the middle of the ball game now, like they do with basketball. I just, I can't believe they have to put up with <laughs> questions from uh, the people that are covering the game during the contest. It's insane. Oh, I, I agree with you, and I, I, I don't like those interviews right before, uh, right before the game, during the halftime, uh, and it's just I don't know. But I, I think you know, the league really ought to have to do a press conference every week to explain its mess ups and what's being done to address it, because yeah. You know, you you hold everybody else accountable. Coaches are held accountable. Players are held accountable. 
And then for whatever reason, the refs are treated as sacrosanct, uh, as, as, as above criticism. And I'm not saying that, you know, we all criticize the refs, but we need to do it in a productive way and not just yell at them. But I do think there are times where it would be fair for them to have to answer questions about how they mess something like that up. I mean, everybody else has to do it. You and I are talking about, and everybody online was talking about against Notre Dame. Did Elko make the right call uh, on fourth and 16? I mean, the officials are paid. They're professionals. Why can't they answer those questions? Oh, don't bring that up again. I've never been a big fan of the three man rush, but let's, let's skip that for now. (laughs) Well, you know, yeah. I mean, I I wish he'd when I talked to Steve Weissman, Steve kind of explained to me the thought process, and I got it. Oh, I it. understand that. <laughs> right, I, and I got it, and, and that's one of the great things about being able to talk to a guy like Steve is he brings you a lot of perspective, a lot of knowledge. Uh, he, he's a great guest. I, I tremendously enjoy having him on and talking to him whenever I can. The only thing I don't understand about that 4th and 16 call is why you don't rush four. That's, that's the problem I've got. If your thought process is we don't want to let them – throw you can still drop enough guys back with seven to cover it and right because there's six guys there's six guys around the line of scrimmage there's five down linemen and the quarterback you send four after those six you've got seven on the back end to cover five uh you know it's it's plenty or it should be i mean and our uh, and you know a lot of people worried about the secondary going into the season but boy our secondary is Oh, my God, they're good. And I'll tell you what, man, Trey Freeman at linebacker, that was what I was most worried about all year coming into the season was how are the linebackers going to do. But goodness, those guys can really get after it. And I guess we should probably, instead of continuing to do a postmortem on on FSU, other than the fact that I have put – I have put Mrs. Bull City coordinators on strict orders not to let me order the Bill Walsh the Bill Walsh coaching book <laughs> uh, for a cool six hundred dollars. I'm so close to purchasing that thing to read what it says about how you should kick field goals at times, just for input. I think we should segue into Louisville and and we can here, do that. We can right, do that. Here's where we are. Here's kind of where I see that the Blue Devils are. And we talked about this with Joe Giglio when we were previewing the NC State game. Uh, and again, just like you should listen to my friends at, from the Pink Seats, you should definitely listen to the Ovius and Giglio podcast and also Law of the Wolf. And Young Gun, if you want to be miserable and talk about the Panthers, which, God, thank God there was a bye week. All right. But he, here's where we are. When, when Joe and I talked about that, I said, look, the Blue Devil, we, we agreed the Blue Devils can lose to Florida State, but if they want to go to Charlotte, that's it. Okay, this is the only loss we can really afford right now. And now if we can beat Louisville and don't overlook Wake Forest because they have a really good coach, I know they're down, but we'll get to that in a minute. That game in Keenan uh, is going to be really, really important, right? Absolutely. I mean, so – Tell us kind of what your thoughts are about this game with Louisville and then transition to the remainder of the schedule. Well, let me kind of do what I normally do with a little extra with the with the opponent, or at least what I've been doing, if that's okay. You will um, answer the questions posed to you, sir, or I will mute your <laughs> microphone. Wait a minute. You didn't even start out asking me how I ended up getting this gig, a little bit about my past uh everybody has heard right. everybody has heard the story you wanted to well, mute this great children looking, make I met this great looking girl team. at clemson a lot of years ago and uh, how far back do i need to go okay, uh, well, okay right. well, tell us you we, we don't we can get into your duke origin story later i mean the, the, <laughs> it's better not to hear that because i don't want the people who listen to this to think that you were doing something wonderful by <laughs> By making me watch all those heartbreaking games, okay? They have to kind of think that you were just doing something terrible. It's to made son. you. It's made you so strong and competitive. It's 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 part of what made you who you are. But anyway, Louisville, as they call it, uh, and you know, I'm I'm just I'm tired of all this Louisville hype. Uh, for me, the last great thing to come out of Louisville was Johnny Unitas. But you know, uh, without getting into the Pete and Pete episode. Uh, let's just Great talk about their season so far. Okay, Louisville's averaging a little over 34 points a game, uh, but they're giving up uh, 20 and a half a game. 
they're averaging 176.3 on the ground. They scored 16 rushing touchdowns and um, holding opponents to 97.1 yards rushing and seven rushing touchdowns uh, through the air uh, with their uh, quarterback plum. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, plumber. Uh, they're averaging 285.71 yards per game. He's completing passes at a 63.46% clip, but he's been picked eight times. He's thrown for 14 touchdowns. Uh, their opponents have only completed 54.4% of their attempts. Um, even um, our friend Hartman had a rough night against them. Uh, but uh, their opponents get about 220, uh, 221 through the air and 11 touchdowns. Uh, so there's some possibilities there. Uh, their punter only has a net average of 37.04 yards per punt. Uh, their time of possession is 31.26 and 28.34 for the opposition. Uh, they convert on third down at a rate of 38.64%, and they're five out of 10 on fourth down. Uh, their opponents have converted on third down uh, just 30.53%, and uh, but six out of 14 on fourth down. Uh, they fumbled 13 times, but they've only lost three. And their opponents have fumbled nine times, uh, but they've lost six. Uh, sacks, pretty much a wash on the season. The cards have gotten 15, and they've allowed 15. There's a yardage difference there, but uh, uh, they're 22 out of 27 in the red zone with 16 touchdowns. Uh, their opponents have nine touchdowns out of 14 trips to the red zone. And uh, Jordan, um, who we talked a little bit about earlier uh, before we uh, went on uh, the air with this, uh, their leading rusher, and he's hard-nosed. He's a tough kid. I, I watched him uh, uh, just the other day, again, against Notre Dame. And uh, ran really hard, averages 94.43 yards a game, eight rushing touchdowns. But he is nursing a hamstring injury, and he, you know don't he, don't wish ill on anybody, but fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, he is listed as questionable, and that's one thing I want to ask you about. Not to to be rude and interrupt you, but no, no, go ahead. One of the things that I liked about Louisville when I was looking at their stats getting ready for this is they seem to really have a, an RB one system. They have one main running back. Yes. Um, but it looks like he's he's could be out, which is a problem. And they're also missing a key cornerback. Uh, right. But and they're saying, I, uh, no, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I I do like the fact I like a system that's built around a primary back. I just I, that's hmm. something that I've always enjoyed. So it'll be interesting to see how Louisville handles that um, going forward. But you mentioned this is what I really want to ask you about. You you mentioned their defensive line play and their sacks. Uh, one they've got one defensive lineman who seems to be their their major player, um, and I'm going to mispronounce his name, uh, Jalote. I think it is. I'm, I may be getting yeah. it wrong. Oh, but, he's a he, he's a small guy, 270 pounds. He has uh, 24 total tackles and eight tackles for loss. Yeah, and I think six and a half sacks. So, how do you think our line's going to match up with him? Because that's going to be the key the key part of of well, keeping they also, the game going. They also have a couple of really good linebackers, Ben. Uh, they have a redshirt sophomore, TJ Quinn, who's got 50. He's actually their leading uh, tackler, 55 total tackles. And uh, his uh, cohort at linebacker, Alderman, uh, has 31 with four and a half tackles for loss. Uh, but, you know, our offensive line has, has, has been really good. Uh, we've protected the quarterbacks really well. Uh, obviously, there's a – you know, there's some added pressure in terms of, well, who's going to be behind us? You know, is it going to be Riley? Is it going to be Balin? Uh, you know, what exactly is going to go on there and how that's going to affect our, our game plan. But um, uh, but back to your to the running back situation, Maurice Turner, strangely enough, is listed as, as um, Jordan's likely replacement, but he's actually not their number two rusher. I can't remember the guy. Uh, right off the top of my head, who's been their uh, second best uh, uh, running back so far. But uh, and they've also they're missing an offensive lineman now who's uh, got hurt a couple of weeks ago. He's going to be out for the season. Renato Brown, and uh, you mentioned the cornerback Jarvis Brownlee, uh, who's who's been a really good corner for him. He could miss the game. He's got a foot injury, and um, so you know they're you know they're dinged up at some places. Uh, but you know they're they've been tough at home. I think they're three and zero at home. And uh, it's a it's a rowdy crowd. At least it's not a nighttime crowd. So you know maybe that'll make maybe that'll make a difference yeah. with the afternoon start. I don't know. Here is here is kind of my thought after listening to the, to kind of your 
analysis of their stats and their team is their quarterback has thrown eight interceptions and we have a really good secondary. So I think that that's, that tilts in our favor. Um, but the fact that they fumbled, although they've recovered them ever since Elko has come to Durham, you kind of wonder, my gosh, how is it that we keep having this turnover differential? It has to be a fluke. It has to be a fluke. And at some point you just have to believe your lying eyes as far as what you see. I think it's just bred into how Elko and the staff coaches these guys. So if they're predisposed to fumble, you got to be thinking we're going to create some turnovers uh, against yeah, the Cardinals, yeah. right? Hope so. Well, hope okay. so. I mean, if they yeah. fumble that many times, the ball is going to be on the ground at some point, you would think. Well, and we've got, you know, we, we've got depth at the defensive line. We've got, uh, we've got a talented group of linebackers and we've got a surprisingly deep secondary who should be able to play really well. I don't see us getting intimidated by having to play on the road in Louisville. I mean, we went into Florida state against the best team. Yeah. Arguably the best team in the country. I think we should be fair about that. I think Florida state is certainly in that discussion for, for the best team in the country. And we didn't blink. We had that game in the fourth quarter. I mean, am, yeah. am I crazy here to say we are not going to be scared of the Cardinals? Oh, no, I don't think so. And, I mean, that's the largest margin. I mean, that's as big as several of the losses put together, you know, that we've experienced since Elko got here. And uh, I don't want to do something that will jinx us. I was about to talk about the fact that, fortunately, Plummer is not as mobile, you know, a threat at quarterback as as uh, – you know, what we just experienced down in Tallahassee. But, you know, as soon as I say that, of course, he'll, you know, run like a deer or something, but uh, hopefully not. Um, but, you know, he is a, you know, he's an interesting guy. He's bounced around. He started out, I think, at Purdue, went to Cal. Now he's back with his former coach, who's an, a, a Louisville alum, uh, the head coach. And uh, they're real happy to have him. He's doing a good job and, you know, brought a number of new people in through the portal. Um He's got a lot of targets. Uh, his big uh, big target so far has been Thrash with 39 catches and six touchdowns. And he's averaging 91 yards, 91.3 almost uh, yards receiving per game. And they've got six other guys that have at least 11 catches so far. Uh, I think Bell and Huggins Bruce have a couple of touchdowns each. And uh, so, you know, they will put the ball in the air. I don't think they'll be, you know, they're, they've got to feel confident because of what they did against Notre Dame at home. So, uh, you know, you can't obviously depend on comparison scores and competition, but I think they'll try to do what they normally do, although their running back situation, you know, certainly will be a challenge for them, just like our you know, quarterback situation might be for us, uh, which is going to yeah. make special teams really important for us. Uh, you know, our punter did such a great job down in Tallahassee flipping the field. Um, you know, if that can continue, Polino can, you know, uh, get us some threes. Uh, you know, we just – I think we need to score early if at all possible, if it's not Riley, if it is Balin, to give him some more confidence. Uh, but, again, it's it's as good as they've been and as successful as they've been so far in their season, uh, you know, beating Notre Dame at home, which we couldn't quite do. Um, you know, this is not Florida State we're playing this week. Well, I think – I don't think that Balin's going to be too worried or lack confidence. You saw they kept throwing the ball with him, and I think I think the problem was he comes in in a situation where you know once they get that touchdown and they've got that lead, and I think it was a what a I can't remember yeah it was a four point lead at that point if I remember right four twenty yeah they're gonna come after him because they know the only way that they lose is if they give up a touchdown and they're gonna say we're going to try to stop you from throwing the ball. You guys haven't thrown well all night. We're going to tr do everything we can to rattle you. A field goal won't get it done. And that that's really what happened. Louisville is going to have to be, from the start, a little bit more careful. And, and Coach Johns is going to have a week to prepare. I don't think anybody will know up until probably a couple hours before the start of the game who's going to play. Right. Uh, of course, you know, I 
I haven't had a chance to look at Elko's presser today, so he may have announced Riley was the starter and this whole conversation's uh doesn't matter. I was I had to go watch uh my son steal some varsity minutes tonight in uh, the soccer game in the first half and the so second Matt. half. Yeah, he played so really Matt. well. He played really, really well. Uh, had a good game, so I haven't had a chance to really dig through what Elko said to, today. What I'm seeing now is Elko's going back to the day-to-day line. So we'll see how now, that how plays angry, out. Also, I'm curious as to how angry the cards are going to be after a week off and that, that taste of that pit lost in their mouths. Um, uh, maybe it's good that they've had two weeks. Maybe they won't be quite as angry since they've had two weeks to, uh, to deal with that. Uh, well, but, um, but, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. But I think Jeff Brome, and I remember when I was doing the, the, the season previews of, of all the different teams, Brome can coach. I mean, he, yeah. he's been around a game for a long time. He's familiar with Louisville. He was successful at Purdue, which is not an easy thing to do uh, he knows what he's doing and it would not at all surprise me to see this louisville team come out and be ready and for him to use this bye week to have them really really repair uh prepared i mean he he's just a good coach and you can't overlook a team that that he's in charge of i don't think the interesting part's going to be how is he going to handle these replacements and you know, how angry is Duke going to be coming out after that game? Yeah, I hope we are pretty angry. And, uh, you know, we're as good as anybody left on our schedule. And, uh, you know, if we can stay healthy, you know, get healthy and stay healthy, uh, you know, Elko's going to have the guys from what, from all the evidence we've seen through, you know, a season and a half, you know, they're going to be prepared and ready to play and generally, you know, make more, correct decisions and then bad decisions. Uh, a few calls that you and I have wished had gone differently aside over the last year and a half. Uh, but, uh, you know, this, this is a special season. If we, if we can get this win uh, at their place on Saturday, uh, you know, that'll make us what three and one in the league. And yeah, of course the top, the tiebreaker is crazy without divisions. We won't have to, we don't have to go into that because I can't even possibly remember all the options after reading through that recently. But, uh, you know, that, that certainly then, you know, puts us in a, in a situation where that game against those, those, those people who will remain nameless a few miles away, uh, you know, the following week uh, takes right. on even more uh, consequential status than, than normal. Let's and, get into uh, that. Yeah, let's get into that in just a minute. But you brought up the – I want to say two things. One, a lot of what you just said about Elko, uh, you did not say about other coaches often. But as far as being as good as anybody on our schedule, folks, that is something that I heard a lot growing up from from the, the leader of Richlandia. So um, this time it's actually true, though, not <laughs> – not well, like there were some other times it was somewhat truthful too, but uh, we we haven't had the best string of good coaches that okay. that we could have hoped for. We've had a few from time to time, but a, a broken clock is right twice a day, and your predictions you about go. Duke football did not even get to that <laughs> for a long time. But let's let's look at let's look at what the tiebreaker policy is this year. I'm pulling this from Saturday Road. Go uh, you check know, it out, Saturday at SaturdayRoad.com. I should probably try to stop you here because they've been working on the roof here today, and I think I, I think this might make my head explode if we dale, dive into this, but go let's ahead. Not, <laughs> let's not mention roof in a discussion with Duke football. We're having a good time. All right. <laughs> okay, what is the ceiling? See, roof is the ceiling. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. All right, so, the, you know uh, – I, Sorry, I, I need to check in with Blacksburg Chris and see how he felt about UVA beating Carolina. That had to be somewhat difficult for him. But anyway, here is the tiebreaker policy Sweet. for a two-team tie. Head-to-head, win percentage against common opponents, win percentage against common opponents based on order of finish, okay? Combined win percentage of conference opponents, the team with the highest analytical rating per spot source analytics following conclusion of regular season games 
chosen by a draw. Now, then there's three, uh, there's for three or more teams, which I'm not going to get into. Although that, the, the three or more could happen, but I'm not so sure that that's, that's going to occur here. So really when you're looking at, the only thing that I don't really like is it takes to numbers three through five to really get through to your strength of schedule. The chosen by a draw though, is actually not uncommon. There are uh, election rules that will do it by coin flip if it's a tie. So that does right. occur from time right. to time. Now you mentioned, you, you mentioned the rest of the teams on the schedule. Let's not looking ahead, but, we have to do that a little bit, not ignoring Louisville, because I don't think anybody's ignoring Louisville. So let's talk about the remaining games on the schedule after that and how you think Duke is going to handle the remainder of the teams in front of them. Save your prediction on Louisville. We'll come back to that. But walk us through Wake, North Carolina, Virginia, and Pitt. Well, now you got the tiebreaker thing going around in my head. So I was looking at Louisville's remaining schedule. They've got Virginia Tech and Virginia at home, and then Miami down at Coral Gables before finishing, of course, with rival Kentucky. But, um, well, you know, again, our situation, and until we see, you know, Henry be a little more consistent and kind of growing into this possible situation that he may find himself in, you know, for, you know, maybe two or three of these games. Uh, you know, if we had Riley, this would be, I think, a much easier uh, thing to talk about in terms of, uh, you know, what's likely to happen. Um, but, you know, we certainly, you know, and then here's Pitt, you know, up in and, and biting, you know, Louisville on the backside. Uh, but, you know, we certainly would probably be favored in those games, except for North Carolina, although, you know, certainly Virginia threw a wrench into that one. And uh, that did sort of take a little bit of the edge, not much, but took a little bit of the edge off Saturday night for me. All right. Let me just interrupt you here. Here is the thing about North Carolina is, and people have said different things about this. Okay. I think you could legitimately say that app state is the, has been the toughest game on their schedule all season. And I'm not knocking App State. It's just that they play no. App State a lot, and there's a lot of familiarity there, and, and football matters in Boone, okay? They have a good program. Oh, absolutely. Okay? And this but is I'm what's so saying, frustrating for me about yeah, yeah. the tiebreaker is everybody's schedules are so different. There's such a vast difference in the strength of schedule between some of the teams that still have a shot at getting to the championship game for the conference. And it's just uh, – you know, getting rid of divisions, at least that gave it some sort of, I think, legitimacy when you had to win a division at least to go against the other division winner. And the way it is now with the schedule, you know, such a big conference and not playing the same group of people, it's hard to say that you've really picked the two best teams, I think, but in, right. in some so situations. Me, yeah, let me let me go over with you, Carolina's schedule, because I said this when I did my preseason prediction I predicted Carolina, I think, to go nine and three, and so they had an easy schedule. They started off against South Carolina, raging dumpster right. fire of garbage. App yep. State, good team. Minnesota is third in the Big Ten West, which means they're barely a football team. If you put them in any other conference, they'd be dead last because the Big Ten, also flaming pile of garbage. Come at me. Yeah, he's a good coach, but they kind of dropped off a little in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, but the Big Ten is soft. They're panties. They're weak. They're garbage. They're losers. <laughs> they're nothing. Pitt, when they were playing Pitt around that time, Pitt seems to have – it's not quite a dead parrot, but they've come back from the dead a little bit. Maybe I'm not dead yet. Maybe that Monty Python bit. Syracuse ups and downs. Syracuse is a roller coaster program. Miami, all-airport team. I'm sorry. Uh not smart enough to to take a knee. And then, you know, they played Virginia, which, again, Tony Elliott, nice win against Carolina. That's his only decent win there. And they're, what, yeah. two and five? I mean, this is Carl Franks reloaded. And I'm not knocking Carl Franks. Please understand that. It's just a historical comparison. They play a Georgia Tech team that's transitioning. It's going through some rebuilding. Then they've got Campbell. Uh, 
NC State really inconsistent right now, and they've got Clemson, who's also playing inconsistent right now. I mean, they they you know that that is a ridiculously easy schedule that they have had. I mean, and will have. Yeah, I'm not convinced their defense is, is is improved as some people have suggested, considering the teams that they've been playing. And and you know, no offense, and and but Virginia to do what they did to them. <laughs> That was enjoyable. Sorry. <laughs> I could, you know, I did enjoy it until Duke ended up losing the game and I haven't been able to really enjoy <laughs> that loss enough. But I mean, let's, let's be real about North Carolina. I, you know, I don't think that they have really played anybody that you could, uh, to do the, Oh God. Uh, what was it? Uh, who was it that said we are who they thought they were and we let them off the hook, uh, <laughs> coach for the, Cardinals at the time. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was I think the Vikings. That, <laughs> he did coach the Vikings, but when he said it, he was with the Cardinals. I, okay, I just okay. kind of feel like that's kind of where we are with the Tar Heels because they haven't really played anybody. And and let's let's be honest, there was talk about college football playoff. You can't go to the college football playoff even if you win the ACC if you've lost to Virginia. <laughs> right? Well, if they get there and you have to figure – in spite of the injuries that, that Florida State's dealing with, and Wilson may be down again, uh, you know, uh, had that weird landing on his leg when he went up to grab one of his catches. Um, you know, if they can, if they were to get there and had to play Florida State, uh, if they're just anywhere close to being healthy, I think Florida State, you know, destroys them. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't see them going anywhere, and they may not even make it to the conference championship game, the Tar Heels. Uh, I think you have to consider Florida State the odds-on favorite now since we weren't able to pull it off. Um, But, you know, that's still wide open for probably three or four other teams at this point. And uh, that's why this game we've got with Louisville is so big. uh, Absolutely. Bounce back after Saturday night. And it was Dennis Green who was the coach that I was thinking of. But to go back to Florida State's remaining schedule, they play – let's see. They play at Wake, at Pitt home against Miami, home against North Alabama, then at Florida. I don't think there's a game in there that you're going to look at and say Florida State would lose. I mean, obviously a rivalry game against Florida, but this Florida State team is well-coached and well-prepared. Turning back to the Blue Devils, I I do think that Duke has a good chance to go 4-1 and down the stretch. The only problem is if you go 4-1 and now that – drops you at six and two so you have got to if you want to get into the conference tournament uh the conference championship game winning out is obviously the way to do it there's a chance you can get there going four and one but that's not really how you want to get you you don't want to be six and two it's going to be a lot harder right yeah it's not completely in your hands then you gotta (laughs) gotta get a little lucky with the tie break yeah all right, well, give us your prediction for the, the Louisville game on Saturday. Who do you have? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand with our defense. You know, I, I think they're going to uh, – and our special teams uh, might go a long way toward making the difference in this one, but no sooner than I say that, a lot of times, you know, the conventional wisdom gets turned on its head in these situations, and suddenly we have an explosion, even if it's with, you know, Henry at quarterback. Or, or something, but um, I'd like to get our uh, defensive points back down uh, a little bit. Obviously, that hurt our average uh, with uh, Florida State scoring again late um, and and just having such a big fourth quarter against us. Um, but, you know, this depends a lot on, I think, some of the guys that, you know, are, are, are deemed up for uh, Louisville, too, in terms of, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, next person up. Are they going to be able to to do as well as uh, as their coach would like them and their staff would like them to do. Um, I think, you know, we need to score uh, over 20 to be on the safe side um, because they have the potential to move the ball. We've seen that even though their schedule hasn't been uh, super tough, although they have had Notre Dame. And uh, they struggled against NC State and Raleigh, though, winning by a field goal. Um so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pull out my hope, optimism, and that other word that, you know, somebody said about me early in the year. And I'm going to say uh, 24 to 14 Duke. Okay. 
I am going to take the okay. Blue Devils as well. It's a little unclear, though, who's going to be playing quarterback, which uh, it's going to be interesting. I think the more f- – football is no different than anything else. You get better the more experience you have. So the more Beelan gets to play, I think the better he's going to do. And I know his four for 12 didn't look great, but a lot of those incompletions were avoiding a sack or deep yeah. balls and two two hit guys right on the hands uh, and right. should have been caught. So I am I am going to take I'm going to take the Blue Devils too. I'm going to take them in large part as I was coming into today I was kind of leaning towards Louisville. But seeing the injuries that they've had and seeing the the interceptions that have been thrown and as you mentioned, the fumble problem, I'm going to stick with the Blue Devils here. I'm going to take them to win by a score of uh, – I'm going to go 27 to 23. And I think I think we're going to get back on the winning track. We're going to get to win number six. We're going to be bowl eligible, uh, which is fantastic. Back-to-back yeah. bowls, uh, that's a big deal, and that should hopefully motivate – provide the guys with a lot of lot of motivation now get to six and two three and one in conference so that's that's who i'm taking i'm not going to give much of an analysis as to why beyond what i've already said because it's a little hard to with the uncertainty at quarterback but that's who i've got so let's see all right all right dad i'm reluctant to do this Oh, this ought to be good. <laughs> but I have given everybody else an open mic. I'm afraid you may go Abe Simpson on us here with this open <laughs> mic. I'm I'm a little concerned. And you'll start telling us how you chased. What was it? I chased the Kaiser for diggity six miles. Uh, <laughs> Kaiser would have caught stolen, him too, except for <laughs> Kaiser had stolen our word for twenty. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to somewhat reluctantly give you an open mic. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give, give that to you now. Gosh, I can't remember what I'm, I'm I'm supposed to ask questions or just ramble on incoherently. So you can have an excuse to put me in that crummy home. Like on 60 minutes. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) let me, let me read this to you. This is the quote I was thinking of. Now, my story begins in 19-dickety-2. We had to say dickety because that Kaiser had stolen our word 20. I chased that (laughs) rascal to get it back, but gave up after dickety six miles. All right. So you've got an open mic. I will hopefully not regret this. Well, I just, again, I mentioned this earlier, but I think it's worth having coached a a number of sports uh, for a lot of years and, you know, being a teacher for a lot of years. Um, probably the best thing that, that Mike Elko did in that ball game. And like I said, I disagreed with a couple of his decisions, but you're always going to do that. Um, was, you know, he, he heard Riley out. He Riley wanted to get back in so bad. And that's the kind of kids you want playing for you. A kid that, you know, wants to, you know, wants to be in there, wants to make a difference. Uh, but you know, he heard him out. You could read his lips. He said, no way. And finally he just turned and walked away from Riley because I think there was a part of him <laughs> being the competitor that Coach Elko is. It was, you know, maybe weakening a little bit, but he knew what was best for the kid's health. And, um, you know, he turned and then walked away. And and that impressed me a lot. Um, you know, he um, he looked pretty good, but it was obvious he wasn't, you know, 100%. And, um, you know, it is uh, it's frustrating because um, – you know, you, you take most of the reps and uh, uh, you have such a, uh, uh, a dangerous quarterback uh, in, in Riley because he can – he's a big, strong kid and he can uh, make plays with his legs, as they say. And um, it sure would be nice to have him close to 100% the rest of the way. But like we've had with some other guys when they've been out, uh, our tight end uh, who was out, uh, the guy comes in, makes a touchdown grab against NC State, you know, from Henry uh, down on the goal line and uh, made some catches, you know, in this game. And, um, you know, it's, it's next man up. And um, uh, the situation is different this week. It's not Tallahassee. And uh, not to put those guys down, they're doing a great job in Louisville. Uh, but I think the way our team has responded to challenges and tough losses uh, with, you know, so far, 
has been very impressive in the year and a half that we've been watching now since Coach Elko arrived. And I'm just – and I think that's why the Notre Dame game and the Florida State game, I know a lot of people going in just felt like, you know, if we could win six, you know, this would be fantastic. You know, the schedule so much tougher. But these kids, you know, have bought in from day one when he was hired and we saw it last year and the schedule doesn't matter. They're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. I think Clemson was certainly shocked at the athletic ability and the team speed. And boy, we get to the ball, you know, in great numbers. And boy, that's what you have to do uh, on defense. And uh, I, I think they're going to be angry and ready to play. Uh, to put themselves in a position to do something to North Carolina that North Carolina did to us at home last year. So you mean um, cheat you know, with the officials? <laughs> well, again, I've, I've I've lived through a lot of those more than you have. So um, um, you know, they're uh, I can tell you stories, you know, from back in diggity diggity dick. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one to see how they respond. And I think they'll respond well. And, uh, you know, uh, Louisville's not going to roll over. I'm sure they're a little bit upset about what happened to, uh, to them at Pitt. Uh, but it's such a crazy – I think the coastal virus has kind of spread throughout the conference now that there are no divisions. So we're seeing some of these crazy games and decisions. You know, Cade pulling the ball on what was supposed to be a handoff against Miami. Um, you know, just, just strange stuff. Miami not taking a knee against Georgia Tech. Um, you know, just when you thought things were lining up a certain way that they should line up, uh, it's like uh, the whole conference has got that, uh, you know, East, <laughs> that coastal division thing going on that, you know, produced a different champion for so many years in a row. But um, anyway, this is, this has been fun doing this tonight. I appreciate uh, uh, having a little extra time to talk to you. Uh, it's been fun. And um, I wish we could go see this one together this weekend. Uh, it'd be kind of, you know, me. An afternoon game would be much better, you know, before my bedtime. <laughs> yeah, it's the problem is A, it's on the road, and B, uh, well, I, I was going to try to get down to Wake Forest because my trial got continued, but I, I just, I'm a little slammed at the moment, so I, I, I don't need to miss it. But I will, I would like to remind everybody of, you know, what you said about what happened with all this stuff with Clemson. Uh, and with Florida State and or not Florida State with Miami and just how kind of weird and funky all that is and how it's just kind of impacted all the teams. I would just remind everybody the words of I would cite to everybody the words of one Bender from Futurama who said, tragedy. let's face it, comedy is a dead art form. Now, tragedy. That's, that's funny, funny stuff. <laughs> and let me tell you. Well, for that to happen against Miami, that that was amazing. That was <laughs> yeah, amazing. that was great. Um, and by the way, I understand uh, Duke basketball is almost uh, back, right? I, what people keep telling me about this, I have not heard of this basketball team. I've always considered Duke a football school. What is this basketball? Oh, you you know I have. You know I have for a long I, time. <laughs> I have never heard of it. I, I think it's a new team. I, I think they just got it started. I mean, I wish them well. Uh, you know, I hope they succeed. Uh, I hope they do well, but it's just not something I'm familiar with. I mean, Duke's a football school first and foremost. Absolutely. Well, actually, <laughs> uh, to, to, to wrap this up, I will say tomorrow night, because I had uh, because I'd, I'd forgotten to schedule uh, with uh, with the guys from Louisville to preview this game, I scheduled another interview to preview said basketball team with a guy who's been on the podcast before. I'm not going to say who it is. You're just going to have to stay tuned and listen. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it because this guest is going to have a whole lot of interesting things to say. And we're going to preview ben. what to expect from the from the team. Yes. You're not even going to tell your dad? You're not even going to give your dad a hint? Oh, man. Come on. No, you're, you're going to have to listen like everybody else. <sighs> You Man. get no special treatment. But you guys never listened to me when you were. <laughs> what are you talking about? I was actually, the only one of your three children who did listen and behave. Actually, you were a pretty good listener. Yes. Yes. Uh, and when you were way, younger. Wait. Don't seem to be listening as well now. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to tell this story. Okay. Because oh. I mentioned it to Will recently because I would oh, like some clarity on this. 
when we were at there. when we were at the NC State, this isn't about the time Will thought the dog could walk himself. We're not getting into that. <laughs> that was we don't have enough time to get into that. But we were talking about how you you uh, raised us as as Blue Devil fans and and watch football. Uh, we went to watch football at Columbo's, the Pete's place, and I, I said this to to Uncle Tom and Aunt Mary. I said, well. Uh, they were there at the game with us. And I said, you know, well, you know, it, it does, there wasn't a whole lot to do in the town we grew up in. So going to eat pizza and watch TV, cause we didn't have cable and didn't get some of those channels, you know, it wasn't really a bad deal, uh, bad deal for us. But I, I do want to tell one story since you mentioned that I actually was a good listener and Will and I mentioned, uh, talked about this is you remember the time Will was working at Columbo's and he stayed out all night and, didn't come home and it came home at like eight or eight thirty in the morning or something. And you and mom are like freaking out. And, and will, will comes in completely oblivious thinking, of course he didn't do anything wrong. You know, like what, what did <laughs> I do wrong? I'm fine. What nothing happened? Who cares? And you, you were getting frustrated with him as you tried to explain to him how parents might be nervous when their kids are not home, when they get up in the morning, the car is not there and there's, there weren't cell phones back then. So you can't get a hold of them. Right. And he's just oblivious to that. So you wisely decided I'm just going to send will away from the house. So I don't say something I regret, but and I think you you should explain this to the podcast listeners. You told Will to go take the, the dogs, take two of the dogs, and let them out at Isaquina, which was a trail that people would take, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> you'd take them up there. You'd let your dogs out. They'd go run around. You'd kind of do a trail people trail hike. People would run through there, whatever. So you said, take yeah, the dogs to the Isaquina. But, too many but people you, there these days. You didn't just make Will do it. For some reason, I got roped into it, Okay. I had, had to, to make go. sure he had to make sure he got home again. <laughs> well, I couldn't drive then. I don't think. Why did I get roped into it? All I did was wake up and walk into the room and listen, you know, the living room and listen to the three of you, you, mom, and Will. See, see, there's your mistake right there. <laughs> Going about your own business in your own house. <laughs> your explanation. Your explanation is me going and having to do that would make sure Will came home. Okay. Well, this may surprise you, but on the walk and on the drive over there, Will did not think he had done anything wrong. Well, this is the same. This is the same area when we were out there once, um, you know, with the animals, and we ran across a, an ISS slip for your brother. I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> that somehow didn't make it to the house uh, for for us to see. Uh, Got to uh, the evidence. Yeah, he's, you know, uh, we're taking some shots at him here, which is unfair because uh, there's probably one or two that we could find for, for each of you that would be fair game. But it's not uh, unfair, he's a, it's true. Yeah, he's a pretty good guy, too. I'm proud of all of you. I really am. And uh, this has been a lot of fun doing this. And, uh, yeah, I don't know why he didn't, you know, call it. You know, if he at least had said, you know, I didn't want to call you and wake you up to let you know I was staying out. Uh, you know, you might could have, you know, you would have been conflicted as a parent. You would have been angry, but you go, well, that's responsible. So I can't really yell him out for that because I would want him to repeat that behavior in an emergency situation. Uh, but, you know, like you said, he, that was one of those nights where he just, you know, didn't get it or didn't want to get it, which, you know, we all do it as kids sometimes, I guess. And I think <laughs> you were frustrated, too, because, like, he hadn't been out partying. He hadn't been, like, drinking or anything where you could at least be mad at him and yell at him <laughs> or, or be like, how dare Thank you God. do these things? You're just like, all you did was stay up and hang out and not get into trouble. So I can't really yell at you for that, <laughs> you know? Like, I don't yeah. even get to get mad at you in a justifiably fun way as a parent, you know, where I get Although, to really scare you. Although worrying you, yeah, making you, yeah, that's that's just not a good good thing in the mornings, like you said, when you you're a parent and you're up and around and trying to get that caffeine, first caffeine into your body, and you're going, okay, uh, where's Will's car? Uh, where's Will? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> yeah, well, good times, anyway, good times. Yeah, he he was incredulous during the walk. I'm sure that shocked you, but he was constantly saying, "What did I do? What? Nothing happened." 
Well, I'm sure, like most parents, we've <laughs> you've all been pretty incredulous about things we've said or done or not done at times. So There's I'm just going to have to live with that one. There's been a time or two with my children where I felt that way, but we won't get into that. We will not embarrass them. So you're just, you're just so mean to them. <laughs> anyway, with that, we're going to wrap up here. We are going to remind everybody, hey, follow us on our website, bullcitycoordinators.com. Tim and I, over the weekend, as we argued about the field goal call, uh, actually played some different style of tunes, so we may work on something else, uh, try to put some music up at the site at some point. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at Duke FB Coverage. We are on all the social medias. Generally, it's at Duke FB Coverage everywhere. And send us an email, please. Bullcitycoordinators at gmail.com. And also, hey, guys, call in. Call in 540-632-0160. If you leave a voicemail, you will get on the air, provided it is good vibes only. Only good stuff. No negativity, man. Don't hit me with them negative waves so early in the morning. But, hey, Absolutely. keep watching. Keep watching. <laughs> keep rooting for the Blue Devils. And Don't forget the milk, and let's go, Duke. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't really asking for notes or for you to interrupt me. I'm trying to close out like I normally do here. Okay. So, as always, go Duke for diggity six years. <laughs> <laughs>